Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! What is up? Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of Claws to the Wall. I'm your host today, Justin Brown, and we have a great show for you today. I got my co-host Paxton Graff back at it again, Kobe Jackson, the OG, and our newcomer on the show, we got Jordan Salas here, and it's great to have you on, Jordan. Thank you. Great to be welcome. here. Welcome. Well, yeah, we welcome, got a great man. show today, Jordan, and we got a jam-packed one for you today. We got Texas State sports. We're going to have some Rattler sports and some national sports. You know, Astros fans are kind of saddened, but we're going to get to that. Don't worry. Um, but we're going to start off with the Texas State area. We're going to start off with the soccer team. The soccer team just finished their final game of the season, the regular season. They are heading to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, but they ended that off with a senior night win, and it was a 1-0 win over App State. That game was very physical if you saw it and if you were there. The fans showed up, and that was for sure. But, yes, the Bobcats get their senior night win, and now they are going to face off in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament against number four CJMU. What are y'all looking to see in this team? I know they've had an impressive season, one of the best seasons that Bobcat soccer has ever seen with Steve Holman at the helm. What are y'all expecting to see in this tournament? Well, I'm expecting to basically see what we saw in the beginning of the season. That is, you know, them being so dominant in their, their playing style. But like you said, Justin, you know, just going back to, you know, their senior night game against Appalachian State. And there was it was pretty physical. I got, you know, got a chance to catch a quick glimpse of the game. And from what I was seeing, it was it was getting pretty physical. There were, you know, two yellow cards that were issued in the game, one by each, one by each team. Matty Goss was one of them, which was actually kind of surprising because, you know, you normally don't see that out of her but um but other than that you know the, well, i'm expecting a lot out of this soccer team especially coming down to you know conference tournament because uh you know we've been having you know tech state teams this past you know this past year make it to conference and possibly exceed their levels of expectations that you know normally that just couldn't be imagined so um they got a tough uh they have a tough opponent coming into the conference tournament. it's a familiar foe that they played in the regular season and unfortunately is the team that they actually went down to earlier on in the season and we'll mention that a little bit later but um just coming going into the tournament they you know i like the momentum that they have you know ending their regular season with the win going into conference tournament so uh let's see if they can they can keep going and keep riding yeah i um I'm really hoping to see some actual defense because uh, their previous matchup against the Monarchs, I mean, there was like nothing going defensively, even offensively for that matter. So I'm hoping that they just enter this first round with a better overall team than they had their previous time when they played James Madison. It's going to be a tough one, uh, no doubt. But, you know, like I've been saying all year long uh, on Claws to the Wall, with both volleyball and soccer, they're they're prove they're trying to prove something this year. Now, volleyball with their redemption and soccer with their new head coach and Steve Holman, they're they're really trying to prove something this year. And if they don't make it past the first round, it feels like all that's wasted. So I think they have a little bit of an extra momentum going into this game as far as they want to at least make it past the first round, prove something, prove they're a really good, worthy opponent and worthy program as a whole. Yeah, Pax, um, you mentioned defense. 
I, I reported um, a couple of those Texas State soccer games in the beginning of the season, and their defense looked great. They were swarming the ball. They were causing turnovers and getting the ball back to their offense to push it and score. And in that last JMU game, I didn't see too much about that. It looked like JMU was doing that to Texas State instead. So they need to come into this game prepared and um, do what they did in the beginning of the season. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned that last game that Texas State and JMU played, and that was on October 8th, and that was actually a 3-1 win for JMU. Oh, sorry, October 6th, my apologies. And it was a 3-1 win for JMU, and that was at Texas State. And, you know, Texas State, I mean, if you look at this JMU record, they're 6-1-3. and three. They only got one loss in their conference games. So, you know, this team is quite powerful, and they're going to be coming into this tournament, and they're going to be playing against the Bobcats. So the Bobcats have to provide that energy. You saw they lost those two games before that final home game, so you hope the Bobcats got it together. But, yes, that'll be playing today at 6.30 p.m. Friday. Uh, apologies. Their first game will be 6.30 p.m. Friday in the tournament on November 4th. You can catch that on ESPN+. Plus. But we're going to take a step back from Texas State soccer and the success they've had, and we're going to go to Texas State volleyball. And they were also successful as they beat Arkansas State the past weekend. They had a 3-0 sweep on Friday against the Red Wolves, and on Saturday they won 3-2. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, we can. Well, let, let me just mention something. that The game we talked about, the soccer game, that'll actually be today, November 2nd. I apologize. I said Friday. I was correct the first time I said it. Today at 6.30 p.m. November 2nd, and that's today, Wednesday, and it'll be on ESPN+. Plus. So yes. Justin's predicting a win. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm predicting that they're going to move on, obviously. <laughs> but yes, Texas State Volleyball. Let's get back to that. They beat the Red Wolves this past weekend, 3-0 Friday and 3-2 Saturday. That weekend series saw a lot of great things. We saw Janelle Fitzgerald, one of the most powerful players on this team. She is now the Texas State program kill leader with 1,731 Jesus. career kills, and she is also the active leader in NCAA career matches played this you know, with 156 games. So this team did some amazing things about against this Red Wolf team, and they're trying to move on and do that at home against Troy this upcoming weekend. What did y'all see from this series, and what are you expecting this volleyball team be able to do against Troy? So, you know, you mentioned, you know, Janelle Fitzgerald, but it's not just her. It's everybody on this on this volleyball team. And, you know, it's another great win after, you know, going one, uh, you know, one out of the two series against Southern Alabama the previous weekend. And it was Halloween weekend. So a lot of people got to you know come out and dress up for the game and stuff this past weekend as uh, Halloween was approaching. But <clears throat> it was a great win for the Bobcats and you know, got the sweep. Uh, 3-0 on Friday and then obviously the tough 3-2 game that they had on Saturday so um, we like I said we've been we've been nothing has been nothing short of greatness from this volleyball team and they're continuing their dominance even though you know how we were talking about earlier on in the year when they were playing you know their tournaments how they have you know dropped a couple losses to but to tough teams like Alabama or like um, Old Miss earlier on and then like you know hawaii ucla who was ranked at the time i don't know what they're ranked now currently but they've they've bounced back after the tournament so in you know i'm not surprised that they got the win i'm, I'm more i'm not surprised they got a sweep either but it just only builds the momentum <clears throat> excuse me towards you know tournament play towards conference play and they keep playing if they keep, keep playing like this they'll be really really tough to beat especially in you know some belt uh conference tournament coming up well, this is definitely a big matchup because if you look at the conference standings, Texas State is number one in the West right now, and Troy's just right behind them, and they both have a 10-2 and record in, in conference play. And so really it just it depends on if Texas State wins the series, 
then they'll continue with the West Division leader and most likely in the regular season as the West Division leader. We'll see with their next series. But uh, if Troy wins this series, then they'll take the number one spot. But if they split the series, it'll be interesting to see how they determine who win or who will still be number one in the West Division. They'll probably go to, uh, you know, point differential or maybe overall record, something like that to determine it. But, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a big game. Uh, I hope that I can make it. I won't be able to make it Friday night's game for a different game that I will be calling. But hopefully I can go Saturday because, sadly, this is the last game of the season. And, uh, you know, if y'all haven't gone out to any of the games, please go out to this one because, I mean, this is an historic team. You've got Emily DeWalt and Janelle Fitzgerald now with the uh, kill leader for in Texas State volleyball history. This is a historical team, and this is the last chance you're going to see them in person. And you you talk about this is going to be a great matchup because of the conference. They're both 10-2, and two, and they're both the top of their respective divisions. But if you look at the history between these two teams, they've played each other a total of 14 times since the year of 2013, and the Bobcats have had 14 wins. So wow. the Bobcats have never lost this Troy team, so this Troy team has nothing to lose. They're here trying to break that super long win streak that has been lasting since October 18th of 2013. Mm-hmm. So expect Troy to come home and put up a match against the Bobcats, and if you don't you know, if you don't have any plans and you, you don't know where to be, you need to be in Strahan Arena to watch that matchup. It'll be a powerful one. And to see seniors like Emily DeWalt and Janelle Fitzgerald, they're a must-see on this team, and you want to see them before they head out of here. But, guys, we're going to take transition to a sport that we haven't talked about this semester at all in this past few months, and that's Texas State basketball. Texas State basketball is actually having their exhibition game today at 7 p.m., and that is going to be against Cameron University. Now, if you don't know where Cameron University is, that is a university school from Lawton, Oklahoma, and they call themselves the Aggies, <laughs> but they're not associated to AM at all. Um, but, yes, guys, this is you know exciting matchup. We're going to be able to see this Bobcat basketball team without Caleb Asbury without a lot of those starters like Shelby Adams before and now they have returning players like Mason Harrell and Mm -hmm. Nate Martin who started last season and you also have powerful forwards like Nigel Caesar Um, what are y'all expecting to see in this exhibition do you expect the Bobcats to put on a good show and try and get some momentum going into their season well I, I mean I expect I expect them to come off like how they obviously came off last year and that's you know starting pretty high I know they had a tough season last year, you know, trying to make it into the tournament and then obviously losing to the first round of the NIT tournament. But, um, you know, it's I I guess you could say this is a warm-up game, but I, at the same time, it's still considered a big-time game because this game will kind of tell kind of tell who is really, really talented on the team and who who isn't. So, but I like I like the fact that they're doing this as an exhibition game so that they can get, get an idea of what type of playing style certain players are and the way, you know, their abilities to either move the ball around or, you know, be very well on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, to this game uh, as an exhibition. But, you know, and then obviously the season starts uh, the following week on, mo- on Monday, on November 7th. So I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how this Bobcat team uh, can really start the season on a, on a on a high note yeah it, it'll be interesting to see i mean we've lost a few key players with asbury uh isaiah small as well and so it'll be interesting to see how this team rebounds but i i can't tell you uh specific player names but i know for a fact that we had a really good offseason as far as recruiting uh one of those great players he won't be playing this year but he will be playing next year's Caden Caden gums who's with san marcus high school right now and you know 
as far as this season goes, I think you know it's going to be it's going to be tough to repeat a third time in a row to win some Bell Conference regular season champions. But I think this team definitely has the chance. It's just what I'm curious is, can they get past the first round in the conference tournament? That's mm-hmm. the that's been our kryptonite the past two years is that we just lose in the first round and we look like a completely different team. And then last season we made it to the NIL and uh, I vaguely remember that game, but it was against North Texas and we had we were up by like six points with like 40 seconds left and still somehow lost that game. I don't know how that happened. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see now. Granted, this is just an exhibition match, so it's really we're just going to see uh, kind of rotations and stuff like that. I'm curious to see this season how this team holds leads because in years past, the past two years I've been here, they struggle holding leads. They'll go up by 20-plus points, and somehow in the final few minutes they're battling for that advantage. So I'm curious to see how the team will hold this year with uh, really holding leads. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the team's going to play this season as well. Um, I think that the game on uh, Wednesday today against Cameron, I think that Texas State should be able to hold their own and take care of that one pretty easily. Um, I think their first big test comes uh, when they have to go to Washington State and play against that team. Um, Washington State, a big team from the Pac-12 that has a a lot of competition, good competition that they're um, used to playing against. And I'm excited to see that game in particular. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, Paxton, you mentioned the new uh, you know acquisitions on this team. And one of the biggest acquisitions, someone that we mentioned uh, did really good in high school basketball, that's Davian Skies. And his father, actually David, played for the Texas State Bobcats from 1999 to 2003. So there is some former alumni children coming on the team. So, you know, they're Bobcats <laughs> born and through. And then you talk about this Cameron University. I have never heard of this university before, but if you look at their last season, they went 5-18, and 3-13 and 13 in conference play. But the Bobcats have met Cameron University before, but that was way before our time. And those took place in 1975 and Ooh. 1979. <laughs> years. In the last game they yeah, had. Were alive. Yeah, 1979 on March 15th, the Bobcats actually won a 77-73 overtime victory in the NAIA national tournament so yeah they haven't seen them in a long while maybe since the coaches were playing basketball so it'll be <laughs> i don't even think the coaches for that <laughs> maybe the coaches dads were yeah <laughs> not sure but yeah this uh this team they're, they're looking good and you mentioned the personnel in this team mason harrell he's averaging 11.7 points per game 47.6 percent from the field and a 40 percent uh, you know three-point shooter and then you mentioned nate i mentioned nate martin earlier he's making 50 percent of his shots and had 15 blocks on the season last year so definitely going to be important to have on this team but Guys, we're going to take a little zoom out here, and we're going to go to some high school sports, and we're going to be talking about that game you will be at Friday that you will not be able to go to Volleyball Paxton, and that is the San Marcos High School Rattler football game. Um, I believe this is their final game of the season, correct? And it is going to be against East Central High School, and that is an away game. Y'all, they took a tough loss against the New Braunfels Unicorns as of late, and that was a 38-10 to loss, if I'm correct. And so the Rattlers are really trying to get a final win here on their season against East Central High School. I know, Paxton, you've seen this team. What do you expect for them to do in this final matchup? Well, um, you know, a lot of people are kind of counting the Rattlers out with everything that's gone off or gone on off the field. Um, And then especially with last week's loss, 
but there is actually still technically a chance for them to make playoffs. If they beat East Central, they win because they East Central and San Marcos are currently tied for that last fourth spot and winner. It's basically a winner takes all situation. And so it'd be interesting to see how they use that going into this game. Now, I know there's probably not a whole lot of motivation with uh, Coach Walsh not being able to coach this game, but you know, you it's 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 hard because I know they have a, a strong relationship with their head coach, but you gotta move on from that and you gotta realize we could potentially still make playoffs. Despite what our record says, despite what people say, we could still have a chance at this. And that's what they need to look forward to. Now it's gonna be tough. They're gonna be on the road and uh, a really good East Central home stadium. Uh they like to have home field advantage, but you know, hopefully they could they could use what they've been using all year long with Jaden Brown and Jake Rodriguez Schultz. Uh, hopefully they can use those guys and secure that final four spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to I wouldn't say recap that New Braunfels San Marcos High School game, because if you want to if you if you look up a tale of two halves, that was basically that game because it was tied 10 all at the half. And then the Rattlers just did not score anything else in the second half. It was absolutely shocking and surprising that New Braunfels was able to pull that out. But without, but that being said, you know, the defense, we've been kind of talking about them, how they've had, you know, major stops, but the offense just could not, you know, capitalize on that. Um, and that honestly was kind of the tale of this game between New Braunfels and San Marcos. But, it's a new week and it's a new, a new game, new opponent. And I know, like Paxton, like you said, new coaches. You know, obviously the suspension with Coach Walsh, and then obviously um, the uh, assistant coach, Lee. Uh, uh, Valer, uh, I forgot. What, I forgot what his last name was. Um, but he's also suspended as well. So it's Coach uh, Kleber that is taking over for uh, the Rattlers as their head coach as the moment at the moment. So. Um, but another you know, East Central, like you said, another opponent. You know, I'm pretty sure we're gonna expect you know Jaden Bailey and um, um, excuse me, J- uh, Jaden Brown. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking of Steel for a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope we can see you know Deleon and uh, Tony Diaz, all the offensive guys, really you know step up and you know try to capitalize on you know the turnovers that the defense gives them. So I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, and the Rattlers played the Hornets last year. I believe it was either the first or second game of the season, and the Rattlers ultimately came on top, but it was a close game. It came down to a final fourth down stop Mm -hmm. in order to seal the win, and so uh, I'm curious to see how it will be this year uh, for them because I I haven't done my research on East Central yet. I don't know how many players they returned from last year's season, but I know as far as San San Marcos-wise, they have a lot of returning starters from last year. Now, the downside for them is that this could potentially be some of the players that you're used to hearing. DeLeon, Jaden Brown, Jake Rodriguez Schultz, Jake da- Jake Darling, um, and uh, I'm forgetting names now. Uh, Tony <laughs> Diaz, Tony yeah, Diaz, sorry. And KG Webb, this could potentially be their last game, the last time you hear those names uh, on KTSW, but... You know, hopefully they uh, they realize that and they're like, you know, what? forget what everyone says, forget that we don't have our coach. We're going to go prove them wrong and prove that we are a good overall team. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, so the Rattlers, with a lot of pressure on them, they've had a season that was kind of unexpected, and this is one of their final games, and players that are having their final snap of the game, uh, snap of the you know their football careers, it's really important for them to get a win over the, the Hornets. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But yes, this will be this Friday at 7 p.m., if I'm correct on that time, in East Central High School. Um, you will be able to hear that call. Paxton Graff and Kyle Owen will be on the call for that game this Friday on KTSW. 899 so be sure to tune in now another football team that has left fans kind of standing in the water thinking what is happening to our team and what's happening this season expectations were so high and that is the texas state football team the texas state football team took a bye week and now they are going to be playing against ulm who is similar in conference play they're both one and three in sunbelt conference and this will be this saturday at 4 p.m in monroe louisiana guys ULM has not won a game since September 24th. They are on a four-game losing streak. And Texas State, with a lot of pressure from you know fans believing Jake Spavadol will bring a bowl game, they have to win the next three games if they want to qualify for one. Do you all believe that since ULM is on a losing streak, this does give Texas State an opportunity to take advantage of that? What do you expect to see Texas State do in this game against ULM? Uh I hope show up offensively. Uh, their defense has been obviously the winning factor for this football team all season long. And then these last two weeks, offense has not been showing up at all. They've, they've only uh, had 14 points in their two games, uh, each of those games. And it's like, what, what is happening guys? And I mean, one of those games, the last game against Southern Miss, they, they didn't get that 14th point or second touchdown until the final minute of the game. Um, it's it, it's really just if defense or if offense decides to show up, if defense continues how they're playing and offense actually shows up, whether it's just uh, decently, mm-hmm. I think they have a chance at winning this game because ULM, they lack on the defensive side. They have a decent offense, but they lack on the defensive side. And so I'm curious to see that matchup. But I mean, I, I've I've been a student here for three years. I couldn't even, you know, I know before that, I don't remember the last time the Bobcats won three out of four matchups. And so it's it's sad to put that perspective in mind, but I don't know the last time. Now, the good thing is, is that these are the quote-unquote weaker teams of the conference. I mean, you've got ULM, who's second to last in the Sun Belt, or I believe last. I think Louisiana is right there with them. Uh, you got South Alabama, who's kind of on the rise, but still not fully there yet. Um, and then Arkansas State, who's just right there with Texas State. And so these are definitely winnable games. It's not like they're playing Coastal Carolina, James Madison, all those teams. It's just it's just a matter of if they want to show up offensively or not, because if they do defensively, then they actually have a chance. If they do offensively, they definitely have a chance. If they don't, then you, you can kiss bowl eligibility. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, abs- Paxton, absolutely. And, you know, when we were talking, and I was, you know, last week when we did the podcast, we were just in all disbelief about how, you know, Texas, the football team didn't beat Southern Miss because it was homecoming night. It was a night where, you know, family came out, friends came out, and, you know, they rooted on, obviously, for the homecoming stuff at halftime. But the game itself, we were expecting a win because Southern Miss was one of those teams, one of the weaker teams in the Sun Belt, and the fact that they didn't come away with the win was just eyeballing and and just shocking because if you looking at the game itself, their running game was was really awful, like awful. It was they had a total of negative 
six yards mm-hmm. total. <laughs> it's worse than zero. Worse than zero. <laughs> I can live with zero. All right, I can live with that. But negative six on on the ground—that's insanity. And then obviously, and then you know, passing wise, it was you know two hundred forty nine, two hundred forty nine passing yards. But I'm not surprised by that because that's been kind of really the tale of of the season so far. But um, but yeah, the defense doing all they could do. They've kind of been the underdog story this season, how they've been, you know, so great South dominates just the fact that, you know, the opposing team has been on the field, you know, so much to the point where Texas State's defense has gotten tired and fatigued and, you know, they're just, you know, out of breath at that point. So Paxton, like you said, their offense just needs to just get back to, you know, having higher standards. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to be mostly, you know, probably sticking with the running game this week after their, horrible horrible rushing attack last uh two weeks ago so let's see if um you know pair you know lincoln pair and calvin hill can you know can produce this weekend i'm I'm curious to see because i saw that apparently in the in the weekly presser uh coach spav is apparently moving players around he's trying to experiment with some things and so i'm curious to see what that's going to look like is it on the offensive side i don't think they really need to do it defensively but uh, I feel like offensively, they definitely need to move around. But like Colby said, uh, last game, they had negative six rushing yards. That wasn't even the worst factor. The bat, the worst part of it was defense had three turnovers, and they didn't score on a single one of those turnovers, not even a field goal. And it's like you, you cannot have – defense cannot have an even better game than they had, and offense just lackworthy. It's just – it's awful. Yeah, and another thing I wanted to point out about – uh, Southern Miss is that there is a NFL play. There is a NFL player, a former NFL player, whose son mm-hmm. plays for Southern Miss. Pax, I think you know who. who oh yes, I do. Do, do y'all, you know Justin Jordan? I think he's third on the all-time rushing list. He is for NFL. Yeah, Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Frank Gore's son plays. Nobody knows for Southern. <laughs> For Southern Miss. That explains the Kansas City Chiefs scout that was sitting <laughs> on the sideline. No, he was looking at me. Oh. Yeah, it, it was Andy Reid. He was asking, where's the best burger in town? And I told him. And so I have season tickets now to the Chiefs. <laughs> Why can't we stop talking about food? <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. It was uh, Frank Gore Jr. And... Um, I was I was in the crowd that game, and you know a lot of a lot of fans were giving him a lot of uh, uh, cheap cheap uh, what do you call it cheap pop cheap what cheap, yeah. <laughs> cheap shots I guess he can say talking about his dad getting knocked out and all that. But I mean, dude's a third third all time leading rusher. Absolutely, like he he NFL deserves legend. some credit. Come on, NFL and legend. Easily. He played until he was like what 40, 40, 40 yeah. something like. I mean, Tom Brady's, what, 44, I 44. think, but he's quarterback. That's a running back. Running backs last maybe 12, 12 years, years, maybe. I'm sure his knees weren't, like, metal. Oh, <laughs> no, nah, he was. I mean, just to put it in perspective, when he first started playing, his son was like a baby, and when he ended, his son was about to go to or college. That and just he's playing. Yeah, yeah, that just gives you a timeline, but, yeah. All right, I, uh, I'm done talking about the first okay, yeah, well, You know, the, the last thing I would say is just the point that y'all harped across, and this is the truth, is just 
just you got to give the defense a break, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going out there, they're doing three and one. Uh, you know, defense every single time offense steps on the field is three one, three one, three one. That means they're doing three downs and they're out of there. They're putting special teams on, they're gone. And this defense team is getting exhausted, like you mentioned, Kobe. So this bye week hopefully gave everyone the rest they need, oh, and yeah. they have plenty of energy to play against a team that's on a four game losing streak. So it'll be quite interesting to see. But guys, we're zooming out of Hayes County. We're zooming out of all of San Marcos. We're going to the national scene, Ooh. and we're going all the way to Philadelphia. Where we, well, I wasn't there, but many fans in red and some Astros fans that paid the tickets <laughs> got to see the Astros lose 7 0 mm. against the Phillies. And guys, this is a game that had, you know, Lance McCullers, you know, unfortunately give up seven runs. Uh, Dusty Baker did not decide to get him out of there. What is y'all's thoughts on this game and just this, this now Phillies leading in the World Series 2 to 1? You know, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in, um, in high school softball, if you're leading seven to zero, or if it's a scoreless by the end of the seventh, then they automatically call the yeah, game. Yeah, the run rule. <laughs> so uh, I'm surprised that that didn't happen last night. But uh, I mean, I, I watched a little bit of that game. I tuned in to the bottom of the six, and because I was working, and I'm like, "What the heck is happening?" But it was funny listening to broadcasters because they were like, "Well, you know, uh, this is a bad loss." But it's not that bad of a loss because at least they got blown out. It's not a close loss. If it was a close loss, they'll they'll just be thinking, well, this one play could have done or could have gone differently. We want to want it, blah, blah, blah. No, there were multiple plays in this one uh, that went wrong. And even if they would have gone right, they still would have lost. So, um, you know, the Astros just kind of need to bounce back. But I just like to say if the Astros win this next game, my prediction's looking uh, pretty good, which I called it on BCR, Phillies and seven. So we'll see. Ugh. Here's the Astros fan right here. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I went through a lot of emotional stages that, that, that yesterday. And <laughs> I was frustrated. I was angry. I was, you could name pretty much every emotion in the book besides happiness. But I was not. That's deep. <laughs> Can I put that on a shirt? <laughs> Every emotion besides happiness. Um, but honestly, you got to give credit where credit is due. Phillies did absolutely amazing against Lance McCullers. And I'm, I'm honestly, and was I surprised? No, because McCullers, to me, honestly, was bound to mess up like that. Because it's, I mean, he's been doing pretty decent all season. It's just that when postseason hits, it's he's just a lot different. But and we we clearly saw that last night. And there were, I'm trying to think how many home runs there was. I think there was about maybe five home runs last night that were hit by the Phillies: Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Marsh, Reese Hoskins, and um, and I think it's Baum. I think that's how you pronounce Bomb. it. Yeah. So, I mean. Great win for the Phillies. Great win for the Philly fans because they were rocking. They were loud last night. Mm-hmm. And it was a painful, painful loss for the Astros considering the fact that they didn't really have anything. Only people that really you know had hits were Marty Maldonado, you know, Chaz McCormick, Jer- uh, Jeremy Pena, and then obviously Yuli Gurriel last night. So they got on base. It's just that when they were in scoring position, like if they had two men on base, they could not capitalize on that at all. And that, that, left, that left a bad bad taste in my mouth last night so but it's a new day it is a new new time and it's game four tonight in philadelphia once again so i'm looking forward to seeing 
the Astros bounce back with Christian Javier on the mound this time. He's actually been really, really amazing this past season. So I hope, you know, his fastball slider combination comes into big factors today and hope the Astros can even the series up. I was just going to expand on the the fans' involvement in that game yesterday. I mean, yeah. it was rocking in that stadium. There was over 45,000 people there. Jesus. If you watched it on TV, you heard it, you yeah. saw it. It was crazy. So talking to an Astros fan, are you ready for them to come back to Houston and, and have a oh, home they game? They ain't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> They ain't ready for your Houston crowd. Trust me, uh, trust me, because I've been, I've been. This fun fact: this was actually my very first baseball game that I went to ever in my life this past, this past, uh, this past season. And let me just say this: that that was because uh, it was the Fourth of July when I went. Because mostly because pretty much all the baseball plays on the Fourth of July, and it was and the way the Astros won was on a walk off <laughs> home run by Alvarez. Oh, wow. And let me just say this: that that place was shaking. I can literally feel the movements to the bottom of my feet. It was ridiculous. But if they, I mean, but going back to what you said about Philly fans. Philly fans are really dedicated to their sports, whatever it's the Sixers, mm -hmm. the Eagles currently right now, who's doing amazing right now. And then obviously now the Phillies rocking the World Series. I mean, Philly fans are like living their life, having Philly cheesesteaks right afterwards, too. Like, you never know. Yeah. I miss when uh, Dallas was like that in the early 2010s. But uh, it's OK, buddy. You know, with it's the right. NBA championship and back to back World Series. But, you know, it's whatever. We can't <laughs> We had our time, <laughs> and the Lord knows when the Cowboys are going to go back. <laughs> we have Cooper Rush in the studio right now. He has red hair and everything. Cooper Rush. <laughs> I remember him, right? And then he lost, and no one ever knows him anymore. All the jerseys just burned away. I don't know. Did he sell any? I don't know. He did one. Um, yeah. What I will say about this, though, this you know, if if there's any reason why the Astros lost, you know, I just blame the rain, you know, <laughs> the, the <laughs> rain delay. Because you know what? I was like, why don't they just put the roof up? Oh, wait. They the Phillies don't have, don't have a roof. roof. Sorry, that's just me sending my Astros sass to these people. I am an Astros fan as well with you, Kobe. So, you know, I expect the Astros to bounce back from this. You know, we got Christian Christian uh, Javier, Javier, as you said, and, he, you know, he's doing great things. Apparently, this is a good season for him. So we just have to have hitters, you know. Just yeah. get, Where's Jordan where you need him, right? Hit a, you know, no give me a walk-off homer in that park maybe about that. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. That is tonight. That is tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, that's national sports. You can watch that Fox wherever you watch your national sports. But we're going to move on to another national subject. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking about the major leagues. We're talking about collegiate. And we're talking college football because an important ranking list came out. And I have one member of the cast right now that really wants to talk about it. It's the college football playoff rankings. And, guys, there's teams like Georgia right at the top, Ohio State right in second. What are y'all's thoughts about this ranking that you've seen so far? Or is there any teams that got snubbed? Any teams that are getting unfairly ranked according to you, Paxton? Well, I will say I, uh, I'm obviously a big UT fan. I don't know how we were ranked right now. I think it's a miracle. I think the only reason why we're ranked is because we're playing Kansas State this week. And so uh, that just kind kind of like promotes the what what's that it highlights the game a little bit more yeah. if two ranked teams are playing so i think that's the only reason why but we're five and three right now now granted two of those losses were against really good teams uh one of them was not but i i don't know how we're ranked right now but that's not what i want to get to i want to get to um why is lsu in the top 10 thank you uh they barely beat auburn who just fired their head coach uh they lost hugely to tennessee mm-hmm they're six and two or 
Are they? Yeah, six yeah, and six two, and they're tenth in the nation right now. I don't know how they're top ten. I can see them being ranked at least, but definitely not top ten. I don't know how. Um, you know, and TCU getting snubbed. TCU no seventh kidding. in the nation right now. They're undefeated now. Granted, yeah, they they uh, they barely beat Kansas State. Uh, even though Kansas State is ranked, but I mean, come on! Like they beat Oklahoma State, they beat Kansas State. They're undefeated. Domin- they're in a Power Five conference. Like, give them a benefit of a doubt. Now, Bama, I don't even want to get started on Bama. I think the <laughs> only reason I said it this before the podcast, the only reason why LSU, I believe, is ranked tenth, is because if Bama loses to them, then now they'll have the excuse of, oh, they lost to two top ten teams. Okay, I don't care. LSU is going <laughs> to lose on out, but if that's the case, it's just I'm ready for Bama to get out of the playoff talks. They can lose two games and still somehow make the playoffs. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, other than other than that, uh, I think the rankings are pretty accurate. Um, uh, but I will say one game that stood out to me was Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Yeah. It was a 48 or 49-0, something 49 like that. 49-0, yeah. I mean, that... That is, and Texas is about to play Kansas State, so uh, this will be an interesting one to say the least. But uh, you know, obviously, I want Texas to win. But if they do lose, I am full heartedly rooting for Kansas State. Kansas State is like one of the best fans, yeah. fan bases ever. They are like the sweetest people. They they just they aren't arrogant at all. They'll welcome you with open arms. They'll bring you a freaking pie if they <laughs> wanted to to the actual game and say, hey. You know, tough loss, but here's a pie, you know, on us. Like, they are the best fans. So if if Texas somehow loses this game, I'm definitely rooting for Kansas State for the rest of the season. But that's my little spiel on the rankings. Honestly, when I looked at this, I, I'm i not surprised by the first five. Tennessee, List them. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Michigan. Those five I'm not surprised in seeing up there. Clemson deserves to be back be back up there because they're playing really good this year, you know, like like I expected. <sighs> Bama being back, Bama being up there when they've lost to Tennessee, a top of you know top five team, and then LSU being in there really really opens an eyeball for a lot of a lot of college football fans, and the fact that Oregon and USC is not even. You know, is I mean, I'm glad they're back. Uh, they're up in the top ten, but for them, to me, they should be. You know, high, I wouldn't say a little higher, but honestly, they should. I like where they're at, honestly. But LSU being in there, honestly, is is a travesty because UCLA, you know, Ole Miss, and then uh, even Illinois is doing a lot better than LSU is at the moment. So, but we're gonna see this this week because. It is another big time primetime uh, game, SEC, an old rivalry, Alabama versus LSU this coming this coming Saturday. So we will really see the tale of this rank of this rankings because if if I recall, the last time that Bama did not make it into the top four was when Tua got hurt because after he played a hard fought game against Joe Burrow, I remember that game like it was yesterday. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But after that game against Joe Burrow and then uh, in the in the LSU Tigers, played against Mississippi State, got hurt, out for the remainder of the year. He was out for the remainder of the year with a bad hip injury, and then that's when Mr. Mac Jones took over the the snaps for Alabama, and they actually finished. I want to say they finished eighth 
in the top 25 that year. So that was the last time they were they were even, you know, part of the conversation of not being involved in the top four. So I'll be really surprised. First of all, I love upsets. And if LSU beats Alabama, I will go ecstatic because I love upsets in college football. But um, to me, the rankings um, are pretty accurate other than the fact that, you know, LSU is over TCU and then, you know, obviously LSU being at number two. Yeah, I like these um, top four teams and their rankings. You know, Tennessee at one. I think they really deserve that. Absolutely. Um, Ohio State at two. They're playing really well. And then Georgia at three. Tennessee and Georgia actually play against each other this week. (laughs) I'm so excited for that. That matchup between Stetson Bennett and um, Hendon Hooker two quarterbacks that are just playing phenomenal this season that's going to be a great matchup and everyone's going to be tuned into that one waiting to see what what happens well i gotta see where where is it where where is that game being played at they're in georgia they're in georgia yeah well bulldogs got a little bit of advantage on that but volunteers are no joke this year but uh i i definitely agree with the top four um it'll be interesting to see with clemson uh I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs is unless some miracle like North Carolina beats them, but that's like the <laughs> only way. But I mean, the ACC, I mean, no offense, but like the ACC is kind of the laughing stock of the power five conferences. It's Clemson and like Syracuse and that's it. And so it's rare just, and rarely Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse rarely, this yeah. season. It's just this season. And it, it's just like, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I love Dabo. I love Clemson as a program, but it's like I'm kind of tired of them making the playoffs because, like, they play no one. They will play two ranked teams, and that's just, like, interconference teams, and then those interconference teams will end up being not that good. Like, NC State's kind of falling off. Syracuse kind of falling off as well, and so it's it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm – I, I if I can't if I kept talking we'll be here for another hour so I can't keep talking about it. We love that you love college football, <laughs> Paxton. You know the only thing the only bone I'd have to pick around this is that I look at this ranking one through one through one through seven are all eight no besides one team and that's Alabama who's seven and one. I just think the reason why they put Alabama above TCU is because they'd have a bunch of Alabama fans angry calling up and getting mad because Obama oh, fans are Bama fans, man. Here's the thing. TCU, I'm proud of them. They're doing great. They're 8-0. They've had some great wins, and I want to see them do great, so I believe they deserve the sixth spot. But that's the only thing I have to say about this because I'm not the biggest follower of college football <laughs> like my other co- you know, co-hosts here. But, guys, that was it. That is the episode of Claws the Wall. We hope you enjoy listening. You can catch this episode on Apple Music, Spotify, and wherever you find and listen to your podcast. Make sure and follow KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter. This was Justin Brown. And for Paxton Graff, Kobe Jackson, and Jordan Salas, we hope you have a wonderful Wednesday afternoon, and we'll see you next time.